So right now, Lord, before thee, I make my tongue the pen of a ready writer. Not only that it may be written through my own words as I read out loud the scripture on the tables of my own heart, but that it might be written on the hearts of others as we deliver your word today. Holy Spirit, come right now. Father God, let me speak, I pray thee, as the oracle of God. Let, let, Let what is heard not be the words of a man, for I'm going to quote your word. I'm going to explain and expound your word by the help of the Holy Spirit today. Help us all to receive it as your word to us. Your message, Father, as if you were here talking with us, teaching us, Father, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, help us to magnify you, to glorify you, to recognize your presence in our midst today. Not somewhere in the shadows. I, I, it's sentimental to think that way, but we're not here to evoke sentimentality. You're not in the shadows. You're in the central place of our life. Hallelujah. And you're the center. Hallelujah. And Father, we thank you. And Jesus, we, th- we thank you. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you and thank you today. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, just for a little while, someone came up to me after a service where we dealt with our own accusing conscience and the accuser, the devil, and how it keeps us from coming into the presence of God. There's a liberal message that said sin doesn't matter. Sin does matter. God said in the old covenant to his people, he wasn't delivering them. He wasn't answering their prayers. They had troubles. They began to accuse God of unfaithfulness. And he said, my ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. My hand is not shortened that it cannot save. But your sin has separated between you and your God. There's an answer and a solution to the problem of sin. And it's repentance and the forgiveness that God grants through his mercy. If we say we have no sin, we're lying to God, we're lying to ourselves, we're lying to others. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful because he loves us and he's a merciful God and he's justified in forgiving because our sin has been punished so we could be forgiven. Before we even committed the sin, The punishment for our sin has occurred in the new covenant at the cross. The Bible spoke of our sins when Jesus was nailed to the cross, that our sins were nailed in him and with him and by him to the cross. And what they would do when someone was acquitted, they would take the list of accusations against them that could be verified. They should and could be punished, but they've been acquitted. And they would take a list and they would nail it to a post or they would nail it to the podium where the judge was sitting. And in essence, all of those sins were remitted and they were abolished. And they knew that custom. And he said something else. He said that that to him that overcometh in the book of Revelation, I would give him a white stone. Amen. That was another custom. When someone was acquitted justified, forensic term, courtroom term, 
they were given a white stone. If they were condemned, they were given a black stone. And it could lead to incarceration or it could lead to crucifixion. It could lead to some kind of beheading or death. And to him that overcometh, he said, I'm going to give a white stone. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so glad to be not just Satan. You know, he was, ra- he was crucified for our sins, but he was raised for our justification. Forensic term, courtroom term. Raised for our justification means that, that God is just and a justifier of them that have come to Christ by faith. And that's why he's just in forgiving us when we come to him in true repentance and confess our sins. It's part of the pattern prayer that we're to pray every time we pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. By the way, everybody say the Lord's Prayer. He is the one that taught us to pray that way. But the question was asked, how shall we pray? How should we pray? He said, well, I can't tell you how to pray till I tell you how not to pray. Don't pray like the scribe and the Pharisee. They think they're going to be heard by their much speaking. But when you pray, pray like this. So the Lord's Prayer is the pattern He gave us. So don't just say, that's His prayer. No, it's our prayer. And the principles of the Lord's Prayer should be in every prayer that we pray. We should begin with an acknowledgement that we don't serve a force in heaven, but a Father in heaven. And acknowledge our Born again, forgiven relationship with him. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall the heavenly father give good things to them that ask him? Heretofore you've asked the father nothing in my name. Ask that you might receive that your joy might be full. If I see people without fullness of joy, you're not walking in that fellowship relationship. You don't acknowledge your heavenly father. You're still trying to earn what was yours the day you got saved. Someone came to me after a service said, Brother Venable, I needed that. That was for me. Well, this is another helping because really it's for all of us. You have accusers. Satan is called the accuser of the brethren in Revelation 12. Now is the what? The accuser of our brethren. Devil, diablos, means a maligner. What does that mean? He's someone that wants to malign you to God, to people, and to yourself. He wants to show you every flaw that you have. And wouldn't it be great if you had none? You could say, go ahead. You got some. And if you think you don't got some, that's one of the biggies. Can you say amen? Well, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to confess it, ask for help to overcome, and receive the help because you're God's child and He loves you and He's in your corner and He will help you? Praise God. He will help you with your habit. He will help you with your temperament. Therefore, your temper. He will help you control urges that your flesh has no power over, but he will strengthen you in your spirit. And when your spirit becomes strengthened, you can take control in areas of your flesh that you never had control, never will have control. One of the worst things about New Year's is the guilt of not keeping resolutions. Resolutions. 
And one of the worst things in the Christian camp is promising God things that you can't and didn't deliver on and then feeling so guilty you feel like he won't hear you, he won't help you, he won't answer you. He's so disappointed with you that there's no hope for you having faith to enter into his presence and enjoy him or believe him for your needs to be met. If he can disqualify you from God's acceptance. Somebody mentioned it here today. We're accepted in what? Accepted in to what degree? To what degree are we accepted in him? You see, when you got saved, you were not just baptized into the Methodist organization or a Baptist or a Pentecostal organization. Whose name were you baptized in? Under? Was, was it the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? Was the name of Jesus Christ, which is really a, a, all together? Were you baptized Baptist, baptized Episcopalian, baptized Church of Christ, Pentecostal, charismatic? Were you baptized in the name of Robert Venable? I hope not. Can you say, man, that's not going to be helpful to you. But if you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you've been baptized more than in water. We were baptized. A spiritual baptism occurs before physical baptism has any relevance at all. It's not even supposed to occur until you're born again. Because it's indicating that a spiritual baptism has occurred. The Bible said we have all, as Christians, across the board, beyond denominational walls and structures, if you know Christ is your Savior, we have been baptized by one Spirit into one body. And it's not the Methodist and the Baptist or the Crazy Maddox's. Amen. Charismatics. I'm not, I'm not speaking down. I'm just saying there's some, you know, if you shake the charismatic tree, some nuts will fall out of it. Can you say, man, there's some people that are out in their own emotions and, and, and bring reproach in all honesty. I pray that I can be a pastor that can shout and dance with the best of them. Amen. But when I hit the ground can walk in victory. Can you say, man, hallelujah. Praise God. I, I like what Mike said. I took it as a compliment. Amen. I was able to be on a satellite TV. You're going live down into North Africa and, and other uh, places. <laughs> Amen. And, and Mike saw a clip on, on YouTube. And he said, when I saw Brother Venable, said, I, I, he looked like, he said he looked like he was somebody. Can you say amen? <laughs> somebody very important. I for, Oh, yeah. He said he looked like he was somebody very important. Can you imagine that? Your old pastor. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I'm glad he was proud of his pastor. I took it as that. He was glad to say, that's my pastor right there. Amen. He's not going to embarrass me. He's not going to speak something that, that it, it is going to be without wisdom and without love and without compassion. But he is going to speak the truth. Then you say amen. But he's going to speak the truth in love. Hallelujah. God is good today. Thank you, Michael. Lord have to bring me down a notch or two after that. But the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Now is the accuser, Revelation chapter 12. Now is the accuser. Now is the accuser. Why did, why did, why? And I've said this before, but let me really reiterate it real quick. Why did Satan go in that corridor? Jacob saw it. 
He said, angels have a corridor between heaven and earth. They ascend to get what God wants them to do here, but they don't stay there. They come back here to minister what God wants and to do it in behalf of those that are sanctified and those that are righteous. He said, we call it Jacob's ladder because he had no other way to describe this spiritual connection between heaven and earth. God is active on planet earth. Angels are active on planet earth. God is not sitting twiddling his thumbs in heaven. He is sending angels. And the Bible said, everyone that is righteous, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them to deliver them. They're here to help us down here. Can you say, man, the Holy Spirit is given to empower us. Angels are sent to give us supernatural help and deliverance. Holy Spirit's here to help guide us. They're here to, amen. I, I, oh, by the way, I just got to say it so you don't forget it. If we're getting near Valentine's Day. You're going to see a lot of angels represented as fat babies with wings. Amen. They're going to be so cute and cuddly. But when a true angel from heaven comes, amen, people are fearful, not because they're coming to do us harm, but because they are in the presence of holy, supernatural beings. And when Daniel saw the angel that came to him, the Bible said his knees smoke, smote one another. Bang, bang, bang. And he fell on his face like a dead man. And the angel had to reassure him and say, listen, I've come here. I have come here. Amen. Because of your prayer, I have come here to minister to you uh, what God wants ministered. Amen. To you, the heralding angel that came 600 years later to a little virgin. And told her about a holy child that she would carry. Amen. The heralding angel, Gabriel. But there's warrior angels. Michael is the leading angel of heaven's armies. And in the book of Daniel, Michael uh, uh, gets involved. The, the messenger angel, Gabriel, bringing God's message to God's people, he appeared to the shepherds to give that great message. But Michael is a warrior angel. And the scripture said that the angel told Daniel, Daniel, God heard you the moment that you prayed. But for 21 days... The Prince of Persia. I looked up the history of that country during that, that time period. There was no reigning king physically in Persia. This was a spiritual entity. This was an angelic being. And before the messenger angel could bring the message, there had to be a spiritual battle to defeat the one holding him Messenger angels are not equipped to defeat these powers and principalities that are between heaven and earth that we are dealing with today. But warrior angels are. So the angel told Daniel, I, w I was sent to you. I was dispatched from heaven the first day that you prayed for the revelation. But for 21 days, everybody say three weeks. 
the prince of Persia, by the way, a physical man on earth cannot hold up a messenger angel from heaven. You know what happens when you pray? There's spiritual warfare. You say, I'm not into that stuff. I'm not into spiritual warfare. <laughs> if you pray, you have entered the arena. So you better put your armor on. Can you say, man? Oh, you didn't hear me. When you pray, when you pray in the name of Jesus, you have entered into the arena. Why is the devil fighting me? I'm no threat to him. Lord knows I'm an infinitesimal little flea on the back of an old hound dog down here. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're a son or daughter of the living God, and you have power with God, and Satan fears you because of it. Your prayers hold weight. The name of Jesus is mighty. I went to cast out a devil one time. I walked in the room, and the person had their eyes shut and cried out, Why did you have to come? And I'd never cast out a devil before. And I was a little bit concerned since I'd never done it before. So, but when the devil was afraid of me, whoo, Lord, I thought, you know what, what did he say? Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you to the seven sons of Sceva who weren't even saved, trying to use a formula? Uh, amen. Listen, listen. But I am saved. I am a child of the living God. I do have authority to use the name of Jesus. And the name of Jesus, amen, holds weight in three worlds, heaven, earth, and beneath the earth. In the netherworld, the name of Jesus is known and feared. And when you pray in the name of Jesus, you are a direct, distinct threat to the devil. So his job is to keep you disqualified from faith in God, from authority, from your authority as a child of God. He wants to keep you in such condemnation that you never... Listen, the liberal message wants to take away condemnation without repentance and without confessing our sin. That's a wrong message. It will keep you in bondage to the devil. Romans 6.16, whoever you yield your member's servant... Weak word, servant. It actually means slave. Whoever you yield your member's slave to obey, his servant you are whom you obey. Whether sin unto death or God unto righteousness, can you say, man, you have to make a choice. If you give place to the devil, he's going to take more than you even give him. Sin will take you further than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And when you decide you've had enough, it will refuse to let you go. But that doesn't stop God from releasing you, forgiving you, and setting you free if you want to be free. You confess your sin. Amen. You repent of that sin and you cry out to Jesus and who the Son sets free is free indeed. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. What would happen if every believer had the courage and the confidence to walk in the faith that, that is yours? To walk in the confidence and the courage that is supposed to be ours. Someone said one time, and I forget who it was. It's a historic figure. But he said this. He said, I am not afraid of an army of sheep. I'm not afraid of an army of lions 
led by a sheep. Why? Because the leader, <laughs> number one, he ain't got nothing. To, he, he, he's got an army of lions with all this power, but he's not leading them to have the courage. You see, Jesus kept on getting his disciples to look past him initially to the Father. He said, I want you to know the Father for yourself. They always ran. Jesus is on the, there's a storm. Jesus is on the ship. Who do they wake up? Do they pray at all to God? No, they don't have any relationship with the Father. They do. They're going to after the cross. But they didn't. All they have is Jesus physically with them. But Jesus is going to ascend one day. He's going to sit down on the right hand of God. He's going to sit there until his enemies be made his footstool by his people that he left here in authority. Amen. He's not coming back physically down here until the secret coming to take us home and the second coming to rule and reign forever. So here we are. The church. The body. The, the, the spiritual embodiment of Christ Himself. Now you are the what? The body of Jesus Christ and His members in particular. What would happen if Christians rose up and became the hands, became the feet, became the arms? Hallelujah! Became the spiritual authority that God has delegated, granted unto us. Men and women that can bind on earth so God binds in heaven and loose on earth so that God looses in heaven. People that have and operate the keys to the kingdom of God. Pentecost is a, a past tense thing anymore. A little bit of holy jabbering and no power manifest. Sick is the world, defeated is the world, unfulfilled is the world, tempted by the world to look somewhere else for what only comes from God. Powerless, unstirred, cold and indifferent, complaining instead of complying. But we claim the name. That's what he told a church that should be manifesting the power that that name represents. Thou hast a name that liveth. But you're dead. You're dead. You're dead. You, would, you, you have to be entertained because you don't know how to enter in and worship the true and living God. You're looking for a sentimental song to titillate your emotions. You don't have a heart to worship God in spirit and in truth. For God seeketh such to worship Him. I like that choir. Oh, I enjoy that. Yeah, but what do you do? Sit there and enjoy the choir? Are they singing to you for your benefit? Are they singing to God to lead you into the worship of God? Is their ministry horizontal? To the audience to entertain? Or is it vertical? David said, listen to the vertical. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His 
Everybody say vertical. Nothing's horizontal. He isn't playing for their pleasure. He isn't playing for their emotional satisfaction. He is playing his harp, singing his song, just like he danced unto the Lord. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I love that preacher because he gets so excited. I love to see him run around the building. Well, what did you know when you left that you didn't know when you came in? You better know something. Because you're going to perish for lack of knowledge. Not for lack of it. You know what Jeremiah, Ezekiel, he thought he was inspiring this great crowd. They didn't have a heart for God. They had no intention of obeying God, but they showed love to hear him prophesy. Because he spoke under the anointing. And listen to what God told him. I have learned my target today is not your emotions. Amen. My target today is your heart. Amen. God wants to do something in your heart. Hallelujah. Because, and, and he wants to do something in your head. I'm going to ask again. Everybody got one point at it. Your mind matters. He wants to change the spirit of your mind. He wants to take away that discouragement, that defeatism. He wants to take away the distractions. He wants you to be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you might be able to prove, which means exemplify, walk out, live out, flesh out, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, not dread of God, but reverence for God. Can you say, man, I said reverence for God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Listen, that you might prove, exemplify what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God and be no more conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Word of God is the instrument by the Holy Spirit that God uses to get you in a different frame of mind and get rid of stinking thinking. Everybody say the devil's an accuser. You can't defeat him by being sinlessly perfect. You cannot. You cannot be sinlessly perfect. Well, you haven't met my grandma. I don't have to meet your grandma. All have sinned. And that includes your grandma. She might have been as perfect as man can be, but it's not enough to go to heaven. It's not enough to go to heaven. It's not enough to go to heaven. The scribes and the Pharisees, they put on a big front of sinless perfection. Amen. But the Bible said, except your righteousness exceed that of the scribe and the Pharisee, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. The religious crowd was the hardest crowd for Jesus to reach. That's why he went to Zacchaeus' house instead of the chief priest's house. The self-righteous don't need a physician, but sinners that need forgiveness need his healing of our hurt and our sin that is killing us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. They used to put guilt on us to get us to give. God's going to get his. God's going to wreck your car. God's going to afflict your body. Listen, if my car is wrecked, God ain't going to get it. Amen. The record company is going to get it. The mechanic is going to get it. If God makes me sick to get his, God ain't going to get it. The hospital is going to get it. The doctor is going to get it. The drug industry is going to get richer. 
We want to see people saved. We don't give God no credit for it. You're getting your last call. Remember that? Anybody remember that? Somebody in here, well, who said that? Who said that? Did God say that? Where is that? It may be that you're getting so calloused he can't reach you. I understand that point. But just to satisfy the evangelist so he can say he's got results, you don't put a guilt trip on people because no man comes because of a guilt trip that somebody has put on them. They come when the Father draws them. And if he don't draw you, you can't come no matter who's preaching or what they're preaching. How many times did I hear you're getting your last call because nobody came forward and his success was how many people I can get in an altar. And most of the preaching was to get us in an altar. If I can get these old sorry sinners in the altar every Sunday, we're making progress. No, if you're in an altar every Sunday, that's not progress because sin is still reigning. You're still under a guilt trip. And when the same people come for the same thing, there's no victory. That is not victory. That is not victory. A healthy church, hallelujah, doesn't have people in an altar every Sunday, the same people that's supposed to be saved and sanctified in the first place. But if they need to be there, they need to come. But it shouldn't be a repetitive thing. Guilt and fear. That is not the way the kingdom is supposed to operate. Listen. If our heart, you have an accuser in the devil, you have an accuser in your conscience. It's what it means when it said, Jesus lighteth every man that comes into the world. Every person that is born is born with a conscience. If you want to know how people are going to be judged that have never heard the gospel, it's because God gave them something in every person born on this planet. He lighteth every man. Amen. That comes into the world. There's enough light in the conscience. Hallelujah. See, that's the, that, and the devil wants to kill the conscience. The Bible said that men's hearts would become cauterized is the word used in the Greek. Men's hearts would become cauterized past feeling in these last days. Their conscience seared with a hot iron. That's why you can preach and they don't fear judgment. They don't care that there's a God to answer to. In fact, they keep pushing him away of their collective consciousness. The fool is said in their heart, there is no God. Yes, there is a God. And it's a fearful thing without the blood of Jesus and without forgiveness to fall in the hands of the living God. And Paul knew it and he said, therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, how horrible it would be to die lost, we persuade men. God pricks the conscience and draws them as the message is preached. You don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven. You don't have to live in condemnation and fear and dread of God. You can live in the full embrace and acceptance of God. Hallelujah. Your conscience is an accuser. Having your heart sprinkled. Isn't it amazing when the blood sacrifices were given, God wanted to be more personal than just slaying the animal? 
than just putting it on the mercy seat. Did you know what finally happened? The priest took the blood that he put on the mercy seat, the blood that was shed from the slain animal, and he slung it out on the people. He slung that blood out until everybody had droplets of red, crimson on their garments. Why? Because God said, I want you to see the seriousness of sin. But I want you to see what it cost. It cost an innocent lamb a life so that guilty people could be forgiven. But I want you to know that a gracious God is doing the forgiven, forgiving. An up close and personal God that loves you intimately and wants fellowship with you. Can you say, man, so don't just sprinkle it behind the veil. Go out and sprinkle it on the people themselves. And then that word sprinkling is used in the new covenant. Your heart sprinkled from evil. It literally, your, your conscience cleansed from guilt. Can you say, man, I, I got up. Oh, about four or five months ago, I got up with my, my daily routine to start thanking God immediately because if you don't think immediately, something's going to happen to keep you from it. <laughs> Amen. The phone's going to ring. Something's going to happen. So I just go ahead and first thing in the morning when I get up, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, I love you. I praise you. I thank you for this day. Hallelujah. Instead of good Lord morning, say good morning, Lord. Amen. Amen. But suddenly, a sin from my past, before Jesus came before me, just came out of nowhere, blindsided me, hadn't thought about that particular sin in years walking in the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy of God, knowing I'm forgiven, and yet up pops this. I went to pray for Ronald Short. Played on the platform many years with us. My dad, good friends, been in our home. We've been in his home, eight with the evangelist in his home. Went to pray for him for stomach cancer. Oh, I fasted, I prayed, I talked to God, I filled my heart with Scripture, I came to see a deliverance and a healing occur. And I gave him everything that I could, biblically, the promises of God, that that he could claim as a child of God. But let me tell you something about the conscience and the devil when he can manipulate it against you. God uses the conscience to convict you. Satan uses the same conscience to condemn you. You've got to reject the condemnation of the devil and receive the conviction of the Holy Spirit because there's an answer to soothe that conscience. Amen. If a man says, I have no sin, he's not being honest. He's disingenuous. He's dishonest. But if he confesses his sin, and what did Jesus say? Amen. He said in the Lord's pattern prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses. Come on in. This is a pattern for all prayers. Somewhere in your petition for anything, there should be an opportunity to say, Lord, I want you to forgive me. I want you to forgive me. I, I, there's omission and commission here, and I know that you know. But I don't want to be disqualified from the help I need, from the courage I need. Can you say, man, so, Lord, I'm going to get this settled right here between me and you here and now. And once it's settled, 
I'm going to leave it. I'm going to not look back anymore. That thing came up to me and I thought, where is this coming from? Well, my conscience has been sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. I have a clear conscience. I sleep well now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If Jesus comes, come on, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. If I slip out of my body, whoop, there he is. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Can you say amen? But suddenly this comes up. And it's trying to get a hold of my own conscience. And bring back the guilt of that sin. And Lord knows I was guilty of it. Brother Venable, what was it? Pray tell. You can pray all you want. Now I'm not going to tell. There's things to tell and there's things between you and the Father. There's private stuff that other people would, would, would say, I can't believe this of my pastor. Amen. So what's the point of telling you? You couldn't believe it anyway. Point is, there it was. Where did it come from? Because it didn't come from God. You know how I know it didn't come from God? Because he said, as, this is how thoroughly he deals with sin through the cross and through Christ. As it is written, saith who? Saith God. I will, take, I, will, I will remove their sins from them. As far as the east is from the west. Why east and west? Because there's no east pole. You can go east and never get to a stopping place. It's saying that's as far east as you can go. Amen. You can go east forever and never stop and get where you're going. He's saying this is eternally forgiven. I will cast their sin. See if it North Pole, when you get there, you're there. South Pole, when you get there, that's as far as you can go south. East and west, there's no pole. You can go on. Age without end. He's saying that sin is gone. It's remitted, not just forgiven. It's gone as if it never existed. Listen to what he says. As it is written, saith the Lord, I will remove their sins from them as far as the east is from the west. And their sin will I remember no more. Have you ever heard this? I can forgive, but I can never forget. You need to forgive with God's love. Because God's love doesn't just forgive. God's love forgets the offense. You can't wipe it from your mind, but you can wipe it from your heart. And you cannot let a root of bitterness spring up by remembering that that inflames that. Can you say, man, oh, there's sins that I know were committed against me, but I tell you, I prayed for somebody uh, not too long ago that sinned hard against me. But I prayed for them. Amen. And I love them. And you know what? God saved them. God sanctified them. Hallelujah. And they asked me for forgiveness while I was asking them for forgiveness. And we're in fellowship now. Wow. There is a love. And it's not human. It's divine. There is a love. It's not natural. It's supernatural. There is a love. The Holy Ghost does more than give you a liver shiver on Sunday morning. He sheds God's love abroad in your heart. Can you say amen? So that we can love each other with a love that's stronger than this religious brand. And you can love God with that same love. Can you say amen? 
And you can love one another. And what does it do? There is a love that covers a multitude of faults, a multitude of sins, a multitude of offenses. There's a love that covers it and cancels it. Hallelujah. And it's the love of God. It's the love of God. People say, I got grounds for divorce. See here in the Bible, it says, is there any love of God that offers forgiveness? Is there no place for forgiveness? Just because we've got a, a technical reason that we can say, I, now I got grounds to take off. I hate this person anyway. I got me one in, I got me one in view already. If I had that one, I'd be happy. Yeah, right. Looking for the right person is not the same as being the right person. When you ask for perfection out of others, instead of seeking to go on to perfection in yourself, no one's ever going to meet your expectations. Can you say amen? If you look for a perfect preacher, no one's going to. Somebody on TV, it's you don't know that they're clay vessel. Their wife knows. Pat Boone's wife just went home to be with the Lord. 84 years old, 65-year marriage. You know what Pat Boone said? He said, she's with the Lord, and it won't be long. We won't be apart for long. We've been together for 65 years, but we won't be apart for long. Because Pat's got to be getting up there too. Two things are about to occur. Some of us are getting ready to be promoted to heaven. And Jesus is coming soon. Can you say man? So what, whatever parting occurs, it won't be for long. <laughs> My son beat me to heaven, but it won't be for long. I'm having another birthday and Jesus could come before next Sunday. He could come before this evening. He could come while I'm preaching. I'd be gone. I don't know what y'all would do for a pastor. Glad I got a co-pastor. You didn't get that, did you? Did anybody get that? I wanted to see if you were listening. You were listening, wasn't you? You said, uh-uh, I'm going too. <laughs> Hallelujah. When he come, I'm going, praise God. Beam me up, Scotty. Did you, see the, did you see the sign on the back of a car? Beam me up, Scotty. There's no intelligent life down here. Hallelujah. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Your conscience has to be sprinkled from evil, from the guilt. And when that thing rose up in me, I'm going to tell you, I hadn't felt that since B.C., before I came to Christ, that guilt would rise up in me. And I felt it like a heavy weight. And I, I said, Lord, this is not you, and this is not even supposed to be my conscience. It's supposed to be sprinkled with what? Sprinkle from evil with what? With the cleansing agent, the blood of Jesus Christ. If it's under the blood, don't let the devil try to pull it out because he can't. He can lie and say he can, but he can't. In God's court, there is justification. Jesus raised for our justification means that God accepted his resurrection, proved that God accepted his sacrifice for our sin. That we might be, that he may be just and a justifier of them that put their trust in Jesus Christ. Can you say, man, he's faithful and just to forgive us because he has judged our sin. When we confess it, he can forgive us because Jesus is in. Oh, we have a hop, we have an advocate. Come on. 
Come on, I know you can't afford a lawyer, big big shot lawyer down here. You can get an ambulance chaser that don't get paid until he gets somebody. But you can't get a well, you can't get OJ's lawyer. I think he's dead now anyway, but you couldn't afford him. Can, amen. Poor people have a hard time in the court system because they've got a they've got an appointed lawyer that is not getting much money and he's overworked and got a caseload that thick representing you. You can't get that hot shot that 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 uh, stands as a barrister for the rich and the famous. That's what was getting the goat of Asaph in Psalm 73 he said my feet were almost gone they were well nigh slipped when I was envious at the prosperity of the wicked they're not in trouble like other men you know what that means they get a hot shot lawyer to get them off on a technicality and you can't afford a hot shot lawyer but you got one now you got one now we have an advocate We have an advocate with the Father. We have a high priest that is passed into the heavens to do what? Sit up there and twiddle his thumbs? No. We are saved to the uttermost, seeing that he ever lives to do what? To make intercession for us. When I fall down, he doesn't back off. When I fall down, he stands up. Can you say, man, in my behalf? (laughs) Hallelujah. I have friends in high places. Glory to God. I have representation in heaven. And that's, oh, it's a drop the mic thing in Romans 8. It's a drop the mic thing. You need to read it. Who is he that condemneth? It's God that justifies. It's Christ that died, yea, is risen from the dead. Therefore, what more shall we say to these things? Don't argue with yourself. Don't argue with your conscience. Don't argue with the devil. Obey and believe God. You are what God says you are. You have what He says you have. And you can do what He says you can do. And the devil is a liar, and so is your flesh. Let God be true. Let God be true. And when you see every man be the liar, include yourself. Whose report are you going to believe? Can you say, man, I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Hold fast your profession. The Greek word is confession of faith. And the word confession in the Greek means to say the same thing as another. To say the same thing as another. Not to say what you feel. Not to say what you sense. But say what he has said. Can you say man? Because it will change the, what you sense. And it will change the way you feel. Amen. Hold fast your confession, your profession of faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. He promised to forgive you when you pray for forgiveness and repent of sin, you are forgiven. You say, Brother Bumble, I just don't feel forgiven. Well, what has your has your feeling have more influence in your life than God's holy word? As long as it does, you'll be led by your feelings. God wants you to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That guilt-ridden, this, this, this that robs us of peace and robs us of courage and robs us of confidence. If our heart condemns us, listen to context. 
God is greater than their heart and knoweth all things. See, it's not just saying if you're sinlessly perfect, you won't feel any guilt in your heart. It's saying God who knows you and knows you're imperfect, who's called you to be perfect, and yet loves you on the journey to perfection, accepts you in the beloved the moment you get saved, sanctifies you along the way, sanctifies you positionally the day you got saved, sanctify you personally as the Word of God is able to work within you and cleanse you. If our heart condemns us, if there's guilt coming up out of our conscience, God is greater than our heart. In other words, let God overrule the guilty conscience. Because He knows it and He says, I'm not holding you. I'm not holding you responsible for what's under the blood of my son. Why are you holding yourself? I'm not holding you accountable for those past sins. They're gone. How gone can they be? I will remember them no more. Why are you letting the devil drag them into your consciousness and disqualify you from boldness at my throne? By the way, everybody, no matter how anointed you are or how not anointed you are, no matter how perfectly you're trying to walk this out or imperfectly, when you come to God, there's only one way to come where he will receive you. The Bible said because Jesus was tempted in all, he understands our frame. He understands our weakness. He understands that we are but flesh. Because Jesus... Our high priest was tempted in all points as we are. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of merit, the throne of look what I've done, look who I am, look at my pristine character. No, let us come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain what perfect people don't even need, mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. He said before you get healed. Before you get help. Before you get supernatural deliverance or provision or protection. You've got to bow and come before the throne of grace. To obtain what? Mercy and grace. To help. And you come with courage. Come boldly. Because you know at the throne of grace you're going to be accepted and embraced. And the devil's accusations won't keep God from loving you and receiving you. And your conscience is not supposed to keep you. God's greater than our heart. He knows everything about you and pronounces you righteous. Oh, by the way, you've not just got the devil in your own conscience. People. Everybody say people. There are people that will bring up something you did way back before you came to Jesus or something you stumbled in when you did come to Jesus. You know what they said about the most perfect man that ever set foot on this planet? Verified by his miracles by God himself. He does these things by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. That's Jesus they're talking about. If he got it in the neck, you're going to get it. 
I've been getting it for over 40 years from people. We're supposed to be walking in forgiveness. In that kind of love that covers. But don't. I can't afford to not be merciful. I can't afford to nail somebody. Because the same, I don't mean judge right from wrong. I mean judge what should happen to them. Amen. You know why? For the same judgment. God said, however you judge others, that's how I'm going to judge you. Oh, Lord. There are so many people pointing their finger, helping the devil who is the accuser. Amen. Don't point the finger. Get out of that place. That's a self-righteous place where you're a self-appointed judge and you are not the judge. He is. Who art thou? This is the challenge he put. Another drop the mic moment. Got two of them going. Got two microphones to drop before we quit. Listen to me carefully. Who art thou that judges another man's servant? He may be as wrong as he can be, but you're not his master. Let me tell you something. In a Walmart... So, have you ever heard a kid going nuts in a Walmart? Kid sitting in a buggy, maybe two or three years old, going nuts, screaming. And there's this old man who's impatient, this grumpy old man in a Walmart. Walks up to that buggy with that kid going nuts. Now, I would love to see that mama get a hold of them and just give them a, well, Lord, like my mama give me. I heard a guy the other day said, said, we don't need drugs for what is attention deficit disorder. He said, my mama took care of that first time it occurred in me. <laughs> said, we don't need to give kids pills. He said, she was talking to me and I wasn't listening. <laughs> she said, I'm not telling you to go slap your kid. Don't say that. Don't say that. But she said, she took care of ADT in me. Can you say amen? Or ATD or when you're dyslexic, it doesn't matter. Who art thou? In other words, Jesus is saying, where do you get off? Who appointed you? Who appointed you? Well, I'm a scholar of Scripture. I am too, and I can tell you what's wrong, but I can't tell you what ought to happen to you, and I can't rejoice when God gets a hold of you. I can, but I don't want to. I don't want to sit in that seat. I want the one who's sinless to sit in that seat. Whatever stone I'm, listen, amen. People live in glass houses ought not be casting stones. Can you say amen? And yet we've got it all over the body of Christ. We have people walk through those doors and the first thing they want to do is criticize what's wrong with you and what's wrong with me and what's wrong with us collectively. They come in with a judgmental spirit. They put themselves on a pedestal. They never humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. Amen. Submit yourself to them that have the rule over you. Does anybody have rule over you down here? Has he appointed anybody? Has he? Is there? Yes, he has. He certainly has. Submit to them down here that have the rule over you. I don't mean as slaves. I'm talking about someone in a place of spiritual authority. We've got a church unsubmitted and therefore uncommitted. 
No accountability. No responsibility. Wives, submit to your husbands. Children, submit to your parents. Amen? We don't want what they say. We don't want this man to rule over us. We don't want nobody to account to. Pentecostal world is full of unsubmitted. And so is the Baptist world and the Methodist world. Amen? Amen? I will give you shepherds after my own heart. They're going to represent me. And when you receive them, you receive him. And you reject them, you reject him. Oh, no, me and him has got our own thing going. And we don't deal with that. You've got to deal with that. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. But he that rejected you that I sent rejects me and rejects him that sent me. You can't have this, this kind of strident. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to find fault with you so I don't have to listen to you. You can't listen. You better be careful. You're going to find yourself rejecting the very one that you need most to forgive you and help you. It comes in a full package. I love what my dad said. I love my dad. I respected him as my father. Uh, he did not raise me. He couldn't. He had a nervous breakdown. Twelve years old, I held his hand. I prayed for him to be healed. I took him for a ride on a motorcycle. He never took me for a ride. I played football, and the only man in the stands that would pat me on the back for doing a good job was my girlfriend, my girlfriend's daddy. She wasn't my girlfriend yet. I found a better one. Is that good enough? I found a way better one. My dad was never able to buy me a 35-cent lunch. Stayed with my stepdad and my mother because... I had no place to go. I couldn't even get a lunch at school and finish school. Would have left. I left home at 16 and got married. Never spent another night at my mama's house. <laughs> Free at last. Free at last. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. But God called me to preach. God called me to pastor. I'm not a hireling. I don't tuck my tail between my legs and run. I tuck my tail between my legs, but then I get up and go on. Can you say, man, I have been discouraged, but I don't live in discouragement. God is with me. At my first answer, Paul said, everybody left me. Nevertheless, Christ stood by me. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is standing right here, right now, and it doesn't matter what anybody says, what anybody does. I'm in the will of God this morning. I'm bringing you the Word of God this morning, and if you will receive it, you will rise up and it won't be the lion chasing you it'll be you chasing the lion can you say amen hallelujah hallelujah listen as we close got a history of rocking the boat better I rock it than the devil wreck it can you say amen listen carefully as we close what time is it? Does anybody know? It's 1230. Lord, we've been here two hours. It doesn't feel like two hours. Everybody else is in line feeding their belly. Amen. 
Some years ago, a cartoon pictured a psychologist talking to a patient. Mr. Figby, he said, I think I can explain your feelings of guilt. I think I can explain your feelings of guilt. You're guilty. (laughs) Would you like me to explain your feelings of guilt when they come? There's something we're guilty of. You're not sinlessly perfect. You're not driven by sin. Sin doesn't reign in you. But you're not sinlessly perfect. Because the moment you say that in your heart or with your mouth or in your attitude or activity, that self-righteousness, we lie and do not the truth. The humility that causes you to confess your sin will let the Holy Spirit begin to rule and reign within you. And it will make you look at other people differently. What is the song? If you look at yourself, truly get an introspect and see your own neediness, you will look at others differently. Can you say amen? God doesn't want you disqualified by guilt from the throne of grace. And here's what he says, Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. I've got an asterisk there and I've written in a conscience defiled by guilt. A conscience defiled by guilt. I love the paraphrase. Listen to it as we close. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Amen. And you know what keeps people from entering into the presence of God and worshiping Him? That guilty conscience that's not yet sprinkled. I love that song. It says, "The long ago, long ago, the old account was settled. But that doesn't cover it, does it? Because sometimes we need to settle it again when necessary and again when necessary. But know that when you come to the throne of grace, you're going to be received. Come with courage. Come with confidence. Hallelujah. So that God can answer your prayer. So that he can be glorified. And you can be blessed of him. And it begins with repentance. And then the cleansing of the conscience. How did repentance get such a negative spin on it? And how did Christians come to such a spiritual status. That they have eliminated themselves. From any need of repentance. Everyone else needs to get right. It's that idea of boy he really told them today. No I told you today. But you were just letting it roll off to somebody else. What about your attitude? What about your attitude? What about your words of condemnation? Who put you there? Who put you there? Who put you there? Who authorized you? Who appointed you? Who art thou that judges another man's servant? Scripture. To his own master. Not to you. Not even to me. To his own master. He stands or he falls. 
So who are you? Who am I? Who is the master of his sheep? Who's the shepherd, the great shepherd? I'm an under-shepherd. I can't sit in his seat. He's the great shepherd of the sheep. If a man has asked forgiveness and God has forgiven him, who are you to disqualify him? Who am I to disqualify him or her? Can you say amen? Oh, my brother and my sister, if thou take away the chosen fast, Isaiah 58, what does he say about it? If thou take away from the midst of thee the putting forth of the finger. Come on. Somebody point at somebody. <laughs> Boy, that thing better not be loaded. <laughs> Amen. Did you unload that thing? That's a dangerous thing you've got right there. Doesn't it start out that way? Isaiah 58, the chosen fast is not just this, the fast that I have chosen, saith the Lord, to take away. Are you getting this? Do you understand what he's saying? If you don't want condemnation to rule you, you quit condemning, quit condemning, quit condemning, quit trying to straighten everybody out and pray for them. Let me preach the word on Sunday. If that don't straighten them out, what are you going to do about it? Well, I'm going to give them good counsel. No, you're going to pontificate. You're going to sit up there on your high self-righteous seat and point the finger. And no one comes to Jesus with that junk. And no Christian gets right unless they fall in love with Him. And that don't make them love Him. Quit trying to straighten them out. The anointing is here right now. Praise God. God, the Word of God is being preached. If that don't help you, Ophrah ain't going to do it. Dr. Phil can't reach you. That guilt that only the blood can cleanse through the sprinkling of it into your life can't be taken away with positive thinking. Norman Vincent Peale can't do it with positive thinking. Thank God when you are cleansed, you can think positive about God and your relationship to Him and with Him. And you can come with courage and boldness. Let me finish with this quote. Anybody want to get out of the judgment seat and get on the witness stand? Would you rather be on the witness stand? I would too. It's where I want to live. It's where I want to stay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, you know what scares me? It's not an army of lions led by sheep because the lions will be discouraged by their leadership. And even though they've got all of that power, they won't use it with discouraged hearts. I'm not afraid of an army of lions led by a sheep. He said, you know what scares me? An army of sheep led by a lion. Can you say? <laughs> and what is Jesus called? He hath prevailed. Who, who is worthy to take the book? Who is worthy to stand in behalf of fallen man and open the seals thereof? None was found in heaven and earth. And John is weeping. All is lost. And he says, no, John, the lion, the lamb of God, the lion. Arr! 
the lion of the tribe of Judah. He hath prevailed. Hallelujah. And he is worthy in our behalf to take the title deed to the earth that we gave to the devil and give it back to us. Can you say amen? And we're going to rule and reign with him. Woo! Somebody say glory. Hallelujah. I'm glad I'm here today because I'm led by a lion. I'm a sheep, but I'm led by a lion. What if the sheep rose up and followed the lion to victory? An army of sheep led by a lion. The devil says, that scares me. Silly. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Would you bring up a menu and we're going to have the offering received and rejoice before we go home? Hallelujah. I was with somebody the other day. We were talking about where we were in life. I was in a store talking to a big, big African-American man. And I said, you know, I said, my wife and I, we're on the... We're in the last lap of our race. Three score and ten and counting. Her birthday coming up, mine coming up. You realize after a while, I don't have time to babysit people who want to be accusive and be divisive. I'm not here to be your babysitter. Can you say amen? Come on. I'm not, I'm not one of those preachers. I'm not a hireling. I'm not running when the wolf comes, and I'm not running from anybody in this room. Listen to me. I fear God. I fear God. I fear God. I want to please Him. He knows how to deal with me. You don't. He deals with me in mercy. That doesn't mean He don't whoop me. But I feel love every time that is, that is laid on me. Because I, my daddy used to say, this is going to hurt me more than it is you. And I thought, liar, liar. Somebody get the fire extinguisher, right? Pants on fire. No, it's not. It's going to hurt the one that's getting the whipping here today. And God doesn't say it's going to hurt him. It's not going to hurt him. But he does say it's going to help you. Faint not when you're chastened of him. Don't let it become condemnation. He does it for our perfection, not our destruction. That's why he loved Israel. When he had every right to condemn them and destroy them. But he said, if they return to me, I'm going to return to them. They broke their covenant with me, but I am still in covenant. If they'll repent, I will not abandon them. I will not forsake them. No, never, never, never. How many sheep would follow the lion to victory? Can you say, man, are you ready to do that? Something's happening. Did you know what's happening? In your spirit, faith is growing. You may not feel it in your emotions, even recognize it in your mind. But you can't sit under the Word of God and not have your faith grow because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Something is happening to your mind, and one day it's going to click. Just going to click. Hallelujah. I am what God says I am. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm not who I thought I was. Hallelujah. Praise God. As a man thinketh in his heart, what happens? There's transformation. So is he. Glory to God.
glory to God. It'll be this one, my dear brother. This is how it feels. Hallelujah. What happens when you walk out of the prison house of fear? What happens when you walk out of the prison house of guilt and shame? What happens when the devil is no more allowed to condemn you? What happens when people are not permitted, even though they're going to do it, but you don't receive it any longer? You say, I can't control what they think of me, but I know what God thinks of me. Can you say, man, and I'm not going to let them override him in my life. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. I wouldn't be preaching today if I, if I listened to every critic of myself and my family and my ministry. Amen. Because I've been cut as long as I have been preaching. But listen, God says, I chose you. I chose you. I sent you. I anointed you. And I am with you. And I will see to you when you mess up. And he does. Have you ever been chastened? Honey, I have been chastened multiple times. Well, Brother Ben, won't you straighten out? (laughs) So he don't have to chasten you. Because there's no place in God where you never need him to correct you. There is no place of super sanctification that you can live. Think not when you're chastened of him. Because he chastens every son that he loves and scourges everyone that he receives. And if you are, here we go. This is to tear down that self-righteous tower in Pinnacle. If you're without chastisement, you are bastards. And oh, how clear can we get it? That's King James Greek. You are bat- King James English translated from the Greek, translated from the Aramaic. You are bastards and not sons. You don't have a father in heaven. Because if you had a daddy in heaven, he wouldn't let you go down the road to destruction without interrupting it. Can you say, man, if you had a caring father, he going to take his, he, he going he gonna, to, he going to take his belt off. <laughs> Can you say, man, can you, He's going to get a switch. Come on. And if you're not chasing, you're not his. You need to get saved. Every son. Billy Graham. Every son. George Whitfield. Every son that he loves. Amen. And what is the chastisement for? To posture us. To be restored and blessed through repentance. How many's ever repented when you went through a trial of anything? How many's ever searched your heart deeper than your normal everyday heart searching? How many, when the finances dry up, say, Lord, what's going on here? Is it me? The Lord says, Seriously? <laughs> Who do you think it is? <laughs> what is keeping us? From the blessing. Got to get online. The blessing of the blessing. It's a teaching that's changing me. And I'm the one teaching it because it's God's word. And it's God's work. And it's God's will. And God wants us blessed to bring him glory. We represent him down here. We're his ambassadors. He wants wants ultimately us to be able to say who has a God like our God. 
a God so nice and all that we call upon him for so that his name may be known among the nations. Can you say, man, when there's a nation of people under his blessing, the nations recognize the blessing upon his people. And his name is glorified. Hallelujah. And it also is not just glorified. He's identified as the true and the living God. Amen. The Buddhist has to recognize, I don't have that kind of answer to my prayers. Amen. Come on. The, the Muslim has to say, I don't have a God embracing me and holding me and upholding me like they have. Can you say, man, it identifies him as the true and living God and it distinguishes us as his people. Oh, what a teaching. I'm so glad for the revelation of God and the word of God. I am so imperfect. I don't know why God didn't call you instead of me. I don't. It boggles my mind sometimes. That people sit in judgment of me and he didn't pick you. Why would he pick me? An imperfect clay cracked vessel. Because man looks on the outward. And you see every flaw in me, but God looks past my flaws. And he sees my heart. And he called me according to my heart. My heart. And he knows my heart. And I'm getting to know his. Can you say, man, my father loves me. It ain't just my mama that loves me. My daddy loved me too. Can you say, man, I'm not defending myself. Amen. Whatever flaws they are, they are. I admit them. I'm a flawed vessel. This is not the end of your church for the perfect church. If you find it, don't join it and ruin everything. Amen. And this is not the end of your search for a perfect preacher that can model perfection in every way to you. No, I am flawed in many ways. But one thing I acknowledge, I am called of God. My wife lives with me. She knows my life inside out. There's nothing hidden from you that I'm not at home. She has to shut me up at home. <laughs> she has to say, honey, church is over. You're a great preacher. I love the word, but <laughs> Amen. it's time now to be my husband <laughs> and not just my preacher and my pastor. Here's what my dad said of me. And I'm glad I earned that respect from him. He said, Bobby, we have a very, he didn't use the word unique. He didn't use the 50 cent word. He used the dime word. He said, we have an unusual relationship. He said, I am your father and you are my son. But you are my pastor. You are my shepherd. And I'm one of your sheep. And I'm glad he could separate his eldership and my respect for it from my leadership and appointing as a pastor. He received from his son. That's extraordinary. That's extraordinary. You're my shepherd and I'm one of your sheep. I'm your daddy. You're my son. But you're also my pastor. And I receive as one of your sheep. And I said, Dad, that's, that's, that is so wonderful to hear that I would have your respect as a minister, even though you're my elder 
and you're my father. Thank you. That means you can receive without having to go to some other church to someone you don't know. Knowing me from the ground up, recognizing the call of God upon my life. You give me that respect. Father, I thank you for my dad submitting himself. He said, he said, you submitted to me as your father growing up. And I'm submitting myself to you as my shepherd. That don't mean a Jim Jones type of junky kind of dictatorial leadership. It means I will follow you as you follow Christ. Can you say, man, hallelujah. It made me want to follow Jesus that much more closely. Glory to God. What mercy did for me. Let's just go there in closing. And the offering tray is available if you'd like to contribute to this ministry. It will be deeply appreciated. will help us to go forward if you would like to. But don't give begrudgingly. Don't give it all unless you can do it from the heart. Amen. Amen. We don't want it. God won't bless it. But if it's from the heart, it will help. So you make the choice. God bless you for helping us. We're here because there's some hungry people here today that respect what God is doing and saying through this clay vessel. Hallelujah.